I mistimed when I put my cough drop in my mouth, so I still got it in my cheek over here. I got to apologize a little bit for my voice. I think that I've got a couple things going on. One was uh, we had our first basketball game of the season Friday night, um, and I definitely lost my voice some from that. So coaching uh, JV boys and, well, you know how, you know how high school boys can be and how well they listen. So a little bit of that. I think I'm probably, you know, doing the seasonal head cold thing too at the same time with the weather going up and down. I don't know if you guys are feeling that a, a little bit too. Uh, so I'm going to, you know, just, just no perfect uh, voices allowed this morning. Uh, so, that, so that's what we've got. We're talking about the anticipation and expectation that we have during the season of Advent because of who Jesus is and what he's done. And we're going to look, and, and we have been looking, we're going to look over the next couple of weeks at some of the people along the way that contribute to the story of Jesus, uh, story of Christmas, that show us what God is up to in the waiting. Uh, when I was a kid, when it was Christmas Eve and it was the night, night before Christmas, I was ready to fast forward. Like, push the fast forward button, let's go ahead and get to the next morning, because that's, that's when the good stuff is going to happen. So I had a hard time falling asleep, and you know if you fall asleep, that it feels like there's only like two seconds, and then you wake up. And, and then it's there. And so all I want to do is fall asleep so I could fast forward through the night. And I just couldn't. And then I'd get up super early, you know, because I, I didn't want to wait. Now, that, as I've gotten older and I'm three kids in, I, I've learned to appreciate a little bit more the night before the next morning. So I, I enjoy a little bit more of the stillness that's there, maybe after the bicycles have been put together, the play places, or all, you know, all those kinds of things. Thankfully, I think we're kind of past having to put stuff uh, together the night before, that kind of thing. But I, I've learned to enjoy now kind of the stillness and the waiting. I, I'm still anticipating and expecting good things the next morning, but I much more enjoy just kind of being able to sit on the couch, enjoy the Christmas lights with it silent and still in the house. I wish I was as consistent with this in other areas of my life. Um, I hate waiting. I don't know if any of you can relate to that. Uh, there's things that I love to wait on purpose for. So I'll camp out, for example, in the snow for free Chick-fil-A for the year. <laughs> it, not only will I do that, I have done that. So been there, done that in Ohio in the, in the winter, and that was amazing, totally worth it. Don't make me wait in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, <laughs> though. Like, I had to wait 20 minutes one time. Uh, you know I sent in a comment. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I, I did. I don't feel this way for stuff that I plan for. Uh, I just tried a new dish that somebody uh, recommend, uh, recommended to me where you cook the meat low and slow on 200 for like 12, 15 hours. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm all good, good for that. Uh, but don't make me wait all day to sign for a package and then not show up on that day. Not that that didn't happen uh, just recently uh, to me. Um, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know, if, yeah, exactly, okay, at least there are a couple of us that are willing to admit, we, don't, we just don't like to wait, because we're, we're not in a waiting society, I mean, we're just not, we can get as much as we want, whenever we want it, I had to order some things from Amazon, and I have Amazon Prime, <clears throat> but guess what, the items I had to order were not Prime items, I ordered them on a Tuesday this past week, they still have not gotten to me. I probably won't get them until Monday or Tuesday of next week. That's crazy. That, that isn't, I, it should not work that way, right? I should, I should be able to get it immediately. Um, <laughs> man, I, 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 hate, I hate waiting. Uh, but I find myself having to do it a lot. And, and maybe, maybe you find yourself doing that too. Maybe for things that are a little bit more important than Amazon packages <laughs> that you're kind of sitting around and hoping that you get, that you really can live without probably, if you're honest. 
But there are plenty of other things that I would like to be different or that I hope to have happen in my life or I'd like to see take place that haven't happened yet. And maybe you can relate to that. Um, maybe there's a, uh, I don't know, an extra reminder during this time of the year that there's some things that um, maybe aren't happening the way that they used to, that you're just going to have to wait and see how things play out. Well, the way that we wait prepares us for what's to come. And this whole season of Advent that we go into this time of year is all about anticipation and expectation. It's the realization and the recognition that we're going to have to wait on some things. And, and that's okay. That's okay to, to be in a period and a time of waiting. It's just about what we do with that time. In James chapter 5, we're reminded uh, by James in, in, chapter 10, in, in verse 10 uh, to take some examples through Scripture about how we wait. Brothers and sisters, James writes, writes, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. How we wait has a lot to do with how we, um, how we prepare for what's to come. Last week, we started off talking about the first Twas the Night Before Christmas story in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Isaiah started his ministry in 740 B.C., so he wrote this a long time before Jesus came. And even between that time, between uh, Malachi, for example, the last book in your Old Testament, and Matthew, the first book in, in your New Testament, there's a 400-year period of waiting in which God did not speak through prophets. God did not give special revelation. There's a lot of big gap, uh, there's a big gap that happens in between that time. And as you can imagine, a lot of things changed for the people of God and how they were experiencing God, how they were worship, worshiping God, how they were thinking about what he was up to during this, this time period. I mean, think about what was going on 400 years ago for us. 1623, do you guys know what was happening in America at that time? Our country didn't exist, <laughs> so, uh, but Jamestown did, Plymouth did, and there's some, some crazy things that were going on uh, during, during that time. Think about how much has changed since then. I think about the uh, series of events that happened in Little House on the Prairie. That was in the 1870s. I mean, at this point, somebody do the math on that. Are we, is the 1870s closer to 1623 than it is to 2023? I, I don't know. Um, I'm not great at math, so no. But, but I think about that, I think, man, that's, that's just ancient you know, time period all the way, all the way back there. So much has changed about how we live and think and believe. So much has changed about our culture and what shapes us. Uh, during this time, uh, during this 400-year period of silence for the people of God, empires had come and went, uh, even the way, um, you know, that, that people thought about the laws of God. People who were religious leaders of the day had, had added so many other things on top of what God had given to his people uh, to follow. They had over 600 different things that they added into that. But the expectation for how God moved and worked and what he was up to had certainly changed for the people. And yet God had not changed. And how we wait and how we especially wait on what God is wanting to do in our lives has a lot to do with how we experience and are prepared for what he is about to do. We lose sometimes the sense of anticipation and expectation that God is up to something when things in our life change and they don't work the way they have in the past. And I know for many people, when it comes to their faith specifically, uh, people often find themselves chasing a past feeling or emotion that seems elusive. 
And so look, they're looking for something that, man, I felt this way about God back in the past. I'm, I'm just chasing that, that feeling and whatever that thing was, whatever that experience was, you know, 10 years ago. And I just can't seem to, to, to recreate that. Well, the reason is because our perspective is, is, is pointed in the wrong direction. Can't go back, but you can go forward. And when it comes to God, silence does not mean activity. Where before, when God was pretty regularly speaking through his prophets, prophets, and then we have this 400-year gap, it doesn't mean that God wasn't up to something. It's that he was finally fulfilling the promise that he continually made to his people, despite the fact that they kept turning away from him in their life. And all of this came at just the right time. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, there's a great verse there that says that um, when Jesus came, it was in the fullness of time. And we know that there's a miraculous birth that comes and breaks this 400-year piece, um, bro- breaks this 400 years p- period of silence. And all of this came at the right time. And we know whose birth it is. It starts with a J. And this miraculous birth that came and broke the silence was John the Baptist. Wait, were you expecting me to say somebody else? It was a different, different J. John the Baptist. Actually, more accurately, John the Immerser. After 400 years of silence, the first miraculous birth narrative that we have in the text is actually John the Baptist. He became the first to start sharing the story of Jesus and preparing us for him to be with us. So here's another twas the night before Christmas story of Jesus to come. But this time, instead of Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to read it from John's father, Zechariah, in Luke chapter 1. This is right after John has been born. And his father, Zechariah, prophesied, and he said this, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. See, God is showing up and doing what he said he would do. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, and in, to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, and this is Zechariah speaking about John, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. John comes to prepare the people after this period of silence to, to prepare them for the coming of the Messiah. Because the way that they had waiting, been waiting up to the, that point meant that they weren't ready for what God was about to do. And this is what Zechariah prophesies about what John will do. People would actually come up to John the Baptist later in his ministry and ask him in his adult life and ask him, hey, Man, are you the Messiah, finally? Like, are we, are we finally ready? Like, God ha- ha- has finally done what he's, what he's going to do? Because it feels like we've been waiting forever. And I'm certain that people were disappointed to hear John say no, because he had a message that was popular with the people, and they were tired of the oppression of the Romans. They were ready to be free from rule, because that's what salvation and peace meant to them at the time. And they didn't realize how far off the mark their lives had become. And God was fulfilling his promises in a way they didn't anticipate because they didn't wait on him very patiently. I don't know if you can relate to going along and kind of doing your own thing, and then somewhere along the, along, along the line in your life you find yourself in a place that you did not expect to be. Well, this is why John was born. 
to start reminding people what they were supposed to be looking for. And here's the thing, here's the lesson that we take from John coming to break the silence. When we're waiting on God, it's not as if he's not doing something. It's just that our perspective hasn't caught up yet. And John was there to reorient the people of God's perspective on who the Messiah would be and what the Messiah was coming to do. And and the question we have to answer in the meantime is this, what are we going to do while we wait? Most of the time when I'm waiting, I distract myself. I find something to do. Um, I I don't know. I guess this is okay to admit, but sometimes I take out my phone and I play a game on my phone. I know, I know I'm alone in this. Um, I probably spent way too much time on Candy Crush than I'd uh, care to admit. And then I remember that I could have been doing something much more productive with my time, and then I kind of kick myself. Oh, oh right, that, this other thing that I really need to get done now, I'm rushing to get this done, and the thing that finally I've been waiting for to be able to do too. But this is not about busying ourselves with a flurry of activity. It's about focusing on the things God has called us to do while we wait. As you read through John the Baptist's birth narrative, all through Luke chapter 1, and especially you get into John's ministry in Luke chapter 3, you find that there are a couple of periods of waiting that give us an example of what what we should be up to while we wait. Um, This is the occasion of how John's birth came to be. This is Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, There is a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. This is giving us a hint as to the miraculous birth and what's to come, and we'll read this text in just a second uh, when uh, the angel Gabriel comes and talks to Zechariah. But Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying for decades that they might have a kid. Um, Elizabeth, in in particular, would have been socially ostracized for her inability to have a child. The fact that she had not done that, she would have been looked at as less than in her community. And so you know that this has been one of their desperate prayers for years and years and years, that hopefully one day, finally. At this point, though, you know they had given up. But pay, pay clo- uh, uh, on, uh, pro- they probably had given up on this hope. At this point, they're too old for this to happen. But pay close attention to verse, chapter, verse 6 in Luke chapter 1. What were they doing in the meantime? If you ever wondered what you should be up to when you're waiting on God, or ever wondered what to do when you don't know what's next, or ever wondered what to do when life isn't going the way that you planned, uh, if you've ever wondered what to do when everything that you've relied on up to this point, the rug has been pulled out from under you, uh, listen to what Zechariah and Elizabeth did in verse 6. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God and observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Uh, The reason that Zechariah and Elizabeth were chosen to become the parents of John the Immerser, John the Baptist, the one who would prepare the way for the Messiah's arrival, is because they were being faithful along the way. And they were putting themselves in the position to be there for God to use. Um, I was talking, I can't remember who I was talking with about this, but this is a few weeks ago when we're talking about uh, the Roman philosopher Seneca has a quote about luck. And it's, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard that, but I think, it's, uh, I think it's an important way for us to think about how we wait. But when it comes, even more specifically, I don't know how you feel about luck, but when it comes to God's providence and will at work in our life, we are more aware of what he's doing and more prepared 
for what he's doing in our life when we're living faithfully. When we're waiting on hope to arrive, we should be living ready for it to be on its way. It, it actually probably shouldn't come as that much of a surprise when God comes through. Zechariah was a temple priest, and one of the ways that we know that he was living righteously and, and blamelessly in his life is he was chosen to burn incense in the holy place, which is right before the Holy of Holies. This was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for someone in Zechariah's position. You didn't get to do it again. And as you can imagine, it's because he showed up. He was there. He was being faithful in his service to God. And this is when God gives him a message of good news. In Luke chapter 1, this is when Zechariah is performing this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity because he had been faithful in his uh, position as a priest. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not be able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Angel comes along, tells Zechariah, hey, God's going to do something amazing in your life. Your prayers have been answered. You guys are going to become blessed with a special son that prepares the way for the Messiah. And Zechariah says, can you prove it? Um, and the angel said, well, you talk too much. <laughs> Zechariah had a nice nine-month-long waiting period before he was able to talk again. And he began talking again as soon as he acknowledged God's will for John you know, people were uh, coming along. Typically, you would name your firstborn son after you. And people were saying, oh, his name should be Zechariah. It should be Zechariah. And uh, Zechariah said, no. He read, wrote this out, and he said, no, his name's going to be John. Immediately, he started speaking again. In that period of waiting, he had plenty of time to think about how he was going to respond to what God had done in his life, what God's promises were, and whether or not he was going to live those promises out in his own life. And we have no less time to do the same. It's never too late for God to do something miraculous in your life, but man, we will miss it if we don't pay attention to what he's doing and what he's called us to do in the meantime. He's called us, just like Elizabeth and Zechariah, to observe the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Not only did they live this out, not only did it prepare them to be the parents of John the Baptist, but it's how they raised John. It's how they prepared John to live out his God-given purpose in his life. John the Baptist was preaching a message of anticipation and expectation and hope to come in the waiting. And hope, this message of hope isn't just optimism. It's not about just going around in life. I, I am not this kind of person. Some of you are, and I'm envious of this. I know I'm not supposed to be envious, but I am, but are just kind of happy, more happy-go-lucky about things. You know, you're very optimistic, um, I have, a, I have a vein of um, pessimism and cynicism that I have to deal with in my life just, just, a, just a little bit. It's not just about being optimistic. 
though. It's about living with trust that what God is doing is worth waiting for and anticipating. By the time we get to John's ministry, he was going into all the country. This is in Luke chapter 3. He was going into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low, the crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. By the time John has getting, gotten into his ministry of preparing the path, the way for, for the Lord, you know, John, as he's preaching this message of repentance, he's not pulling any punches. He's calling people out very directly for the sin, for the way that they have not been waiting on God patiently in their life. And he became very popular for, for this message. Um, he actually gets thrown in jail and beheaded later on because he spoke out against the king, Herod's immorality and his evil practices um, in the way that he politically uh, uh, led and the way that he um, lived in his personal life. John called those things out for what they were. They were sin. He got tossed in prison for this. He paved the way for Jesus by telling the people to be prepared for the coming of the Messiah by aligning their thinking and their behavior with God's. And that's what we're called to do in the waiting. And that's why our waiting can be hopeful, not just kind of surface-level optimism, but a real faith and trust that God will fulfill his promises. And just like his parents had consistently practiced this and had passed on to their son to practice, after 400 years of waiting, this family participated in the hope that God was preparing for all people. And the same can be said of us. The question just is, what are we doing in the waiting? If you keep, down, keep reading down Luke chapter 3, people come, different types of people come up to John. They ask him what they could do to prepare for the coming Messiah. And what he told them to do is to straighten up their everyday lives. You can read this later, but I just want to kind of point out a couple of the categories that, that he mentioned. Maybe these are some of the things that we get hung up on, um, maybe kind of trying to push the fast-forward button in our lives. But he says uh, the first thing to the first group of people that come up to him, he says practice generosity. Like in the meantime, if you're waiting for, for the Messiah to come and, and you want to participate in the coming promises of God and you want to be about the hope that God is bringing into the world. Practice generosity. To the next group, he says, don't cheat to get ahead. It's hard, to, hard not to do that sometimes in the waiting. Uh, be content is what he says to the third group. Hard, hard to do that in the waiting when things aren't exactly the way that we would like for them to be in our life. In other words, John is saying, are you taking on the way of God in your life? You, you might be anticipating and expecting something, and whether or not that thing is coming or whether or not you're waiting right now, like what is the process that you are participating when you do wait on God? What, what are the intentional things that you do in those period of, of, of periods of waiting? Whether or not you felt like you've been waiting on God, you start putting these things, the, the, the blameless righteousness of God, into practice, and not only will you become more aware of the hope that God is producing around you, but also the hope that God has for you, and the hope that he has for others through you. And may we share that story as we wait for the hope of Jesus to come again soon as well. It's what this season of anticipation and expectation in Advent is all about. Um, one of the things that God does miraculously in our lives is that uh, he offers us salvation freely. Um, and the way that we uh, say yes to God in faith and confession and repentance and living faithfully, um, there's this uh, 
there's this symbolic um, process and act that we take part in, and that's baptism. Uh, we've got a couple people this morning that are actually going to be baptized uh, right after our last song, uh, before we say see you next week and everybody uh, leaves uh, right over here in this corner. But I, I just, um, just want to make that invitation to you, that if you're in a period of waiting in your life um, and you have not yet made that decision to say yes to God, like that, that's what he's calling you to do in this period of waiting. And if you have said yes to God and you're, you're faithfully serving him and you're in a period of waiting, God is calling you to continue to faithfully serve him uh, because he is moving and his promises are being fulfilled as we hold on to the hope that he gives to, through Jesus. Every week at Velocity, we take communion together and remind ourselves of that hope um, because we don't have to wait uh, for what Jesus has already done on the cross, that he's already redeemed us back to God, provided uh, resurrection and re- reconciliation. And so we're going to celebrate that right now. I'm going to pray for us. And then uh, there are a couple different tables around the room, and uh, we'll share in that time together right now. God, thank you for the reminder of how Zechariah and Elizabeth and John uh, faithfully prepared in their time of waiting for the coming hope that you're providing through Jesus. God, help us to be uh, more cognizant of that. Help us to understand, understand and be, um, we're going to pay attention to how the Holy Spirit is leading us uh, to, uh, to wait on you. God, we, uh, we praise you for this time that we have to glorify you, to focus on you, and recognize who you are and what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.